Welcome to the HFC Club Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Nick joined again by Tom Griffin. And as it's the season preview episode, we're joined by Rick Skelton, who's also known on Twitter as at Hull City Live. Rick, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, lads. How are you? Good. Tom? Yeah, I'm great, mate. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to the season starting tomorrow. So, crack on with the um, season preview. It's been a bit of a weird summer because obviously we had the Euros, but back into... City now and looking forward to Preston. Yeah, Preston, it's been all right. The last 18 months, it just, you know, it's all coming to an end now. And, you know, so certainly so much more normality back. And obviously the fans travelling down to Preston or even watching on the home will be excited about the season starting. I certainly am. And, um, you know, on, on the train tomorrow going there, it should be should be a great game and great day regardless of the result, I think. Just it's like a weight release off the shoulders somewhat with the football coming back. So, yeah, I'm excited. Obviously, um, both of you have been to some of the friendlies. What was that like being back in the ground? I know it's not competitively, but just to be back amongst the crowd and seeing the players, some of them that we've not even seen in person this time during the season where we had no fans in the stadium. Yeah, um, obviously it was great to be back. I went to the Mansfield home game. Um, wasn't, wasn't a particularly good contest, but went with my dad and it was just, you know, there was only 1,500 there, but it was just great to be back in the ground and a little taster for what, you know, what's to come, I guess. And hopefully, you know, membership, mem- more membership selling. Can, you know, get a decent crowds back next season, I hope. And um, yeah, it was nice to see some, some of the new signers, I'm sure. Um, in the game that I was at, the Mansfield game, there was a few players that impressed to be fair. Um, there was Randall Williams. Um, he had a decent game, and there was George Monkey. He looks lively in midfield, and but I've always said you can't really base a lot of friendlies. It's just you know used as sort of like a fitness booster, and um, going into the season, that's what was wanted most. And considering we made you know obviously seven signings now, I think it's important that we get our fitness in. But looking to head to Preston, I think we've signed a lot of players that young and can fit the vibrancy of the squad and fit the style so I think you know it's it's an exciting time I guess Yeah I know I saw that Rick went to both friendlies so what was your thoughts on not just the Mansfield but the Scunthorpe Yeah we uh, we, went, we went to both in one day which was a bit of a challenge because it was the day the M62 was shut so there was a bit of panic about whether we'd get to Scunthorpe but uh, yeah the Mansfield game like, like um, Tom said it it wasn't great, and the, the crowd was tiny, but it was just nice to be back at the back at the stadium, back watching the game, uh, seeing some new players. Obviously, it's it's hard to gauge them because um, they split the squad into into two, didn't they? And then sent sent half over to Scunthorpe, and that's without the players who were who were missing completely. But uh, I, I really enjoyed Scunny away. Um, you know, there was as many City fans there as. The, there's been at some some league games that we've been to, and uh, yeah, it was it was good away crowd. It was lively. There was a lot of young lads making a lot of noise and giving Scunthorpe some abuse, and yeah, it was it, it was just fun. Um, so re- really fun after this last last eighteen months, not being able to go to an away game, not being able to go to to any game, um, just seeing City again, and uh, I was I was quite surprised how how it didn't feel that strange. Um, I said to my friend when we got to, when we got to the game at the, at the K, oh, it's not the KCOM, is it? Yeah, that's changed. <laughs> the MKM Stadium. Uh, as we're walking up to the ground, it just felt it felt really normal really quickly. 
which was I was a bit surprised. I expected to feel a bit like a stranger in the in the ground like the first time we went all them all them years ago. Um, but it wasn't. It was it just settled in quickly. Uh, the empty seats were familiar. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, re- really, really enjoyed those two. So it's a shame we haven't been able to see a few more of the friendlies, and it's a shame we don't have the sort of uh, the build up in friendlies that we that we used to have. Um, just always enjoy Ferriby, Winston, you know, building up into into some more games, maybe maybe some other local away grounds, and then something sort of big at home, but. Um, yeah, that's all changed over the last few years, isn't it? So we're lucky to get a home friendly at all, I suppose. To me, it just feels like um, we didn't have much of a pre-season. I know we had them two games in one day, but like you said there, we usually fixtures are jam-packed in pre-season. And there's been, to be fair, there's been a lot of under-23s and under-18s fixtures um, that you know they've competed in. But um, in terms of a pre-season, we haven't seen a lot, I guess, of the, the team, um, obviously on home patch as well. And, there was a few that went to Sunderland, but um, obviously it'll be interesting to see how all these the players embed in. Um, and there's certainly some like, exciting signings, and given obviously the transfer embargo that we'll move on to, I guess, um, you know, we're only be able to sign uh, three players and learns. But I think we've done some shrewd business, and there's a lot of players in League One um, that we've signed, you know, that have points to prove stepping up. Um, so, what's your thoughts on the signing, Drick? Yeah, I, I think they've done all right. I mean, I think the obviously the embargo self-inflicted uh, as a, a result of taking the EFL loan, but um, with with those restrictions, I don't I don't think they've done bad. I think only George Moncare is a real sort of championship player, uh, and that'll worry a lot of people after the um, the business that we did two seasons ago, uh, when there was a lot of players came in and and weren't really good enough, if we're, if we're honest. Um, so, so that that worries some, but I, I do think I do think they've done okay. I think they're exciting. Um, they've chased Randall Williams haven't they, for for quite a long time, um, so they'll, they'll be happy to get him on a free. Um, and, and and the others from what I've seen, particularly the the loan signings like Ryan Longman and, and Baxter, they, they were very good at Scunthorpe. Um, I know Tom said earlier it's not really a guide in preseason, but um, <laughs> you know, don't matter who the opposition are, a good player's a good player. So. Um, yeah, I, I think they've done okay. I, I worry a little bit that they, the, the loan players are all very young. Um, you know, we're obviously not getting the pick of the loan players, and you know, we've not got um, like a, a Tamori or an Aina or a Fraser Campbell or something coming in who are sort of on the fringes at their clubs. These are, these are very young loan players, but um, I, I like the look of all of them other than uh, uh, Bernard, who, who have not seen much of. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, happy enough. Um, we, we could always be happier, couldn't we? No, no football fans are happy with some Man City fan moaning after they've just spent 100 million. So, um, <laughs> also with our freezing loans, I suppose we just uh, take it as it comes. I think what I will say is that we've done the best business we can in the situation. Um, you could look at it and think, oh, yeah, we'll just sign players that are sort of coming to the end of the career and not really interested in sort of playing for the club and just interested in the last pay packet whereas we've sort of gone, gone the opposite in recent years and we've signed these young players that we can develop and obviously we have brought in some loan players so again that's we're developing other clubs players but on the whole I think we've brought in some exciting young players that have points to prove and that is a worry like you mentioned there given the lack of experience but I think when you, you're on the high of last season um, you can ride the wave with these young players and 
just expecting us to go, you know, play with sort of a fearlessness that we played with last season. And we got relegated and we turned it around quickly. You know, a lot of uh, a core of sort of whole city lads. And um, it was obviously very impressive. So going into next season, we carry the momentum on with the signings we've made, like we did today. Um, then, yeah, it'll, you know, we're in for sort of, um, I think we will be fighting relegation, but uh, I, we'll give it our best shot. And with the signings we've made, I have no doubt that um, the players will put the effort in required to sort of remain in the division, which is whether we've got the quality in the final third. Um, so yeah. Big news just, to just on the signings, sorry, as I said, on the signings, the one thing I'd throw back to you, lads, is of all these signings who've come in, how many of them do you think get into the team that was here without them? That's a, that's a good question, Pat. Yeah, that's, I, um, think, I, think, I think I did the, um, just that um, fan hub app. Uh, you can predict the starting 11 on there. I think only, I think it was Monker or, or Cannon got in there and, and I think the rest, mate, obviously Randall Williams can't play this weekend because he's got COVID, but I'm not sure about the others. I think we've not really seen that much of them, really, apart from pre-season to gauge like whether they will start or not. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, Mon- I think Mon- are most likely to start due to the experiences we've got from playing with Luton at this level. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've Given the fact that George Hunnaman is injured, you can expect one of the new signings to come in the midfield. Um, and I think going forward, you've got sort of Longman uh, bashing down the door to start, but I doubt he'll dislodge Lewis pot yet. But it's good to have that sort of quality um, waiting in the wings should Lewis Potter make a, you know, not the best start to the season, I guess, and maybe a slow start. But um, And also, obviously, Longman can play through the middle or on the right. So it's good to have that option. The same with sort of Randall Williams, although he's missing for the first game. I think he, it's another good option and it's something that we've lacked, I guess, in recent times, a bit of pacing behind. And um, obviously going on to other signings we've made, obviously today with big news coming out of the club that we've signed Matthew Smith on loan from um, Manchester City. He's potentially someone that could sort of fill that void in holding midfield that we've missed. A um, bit more of a defensive mad in midfield, but also capable moving box to box. Uh, what do you make of that signing, Rick? Yeah, I think it's it's a good signing. Um, obviously, it's sort of been known all week, hasn't it, that we've got somebody coming in from from Manchester City. So, uh, knowing how good their their academy is and 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 the, and the quality of players, um, so there's been a lot of speculation, but. Um, yeah, Smith's obviously had a good season last season with Doncaster. Um, real tidy player, um, box-to-box midfielder, like you say, good good passer of the ball. So um, I think it just it just looks a, looks a good signing. Um, there's another one again though. I don't know how much he's come here to play. Um, is he is is he here because we couldn't get Regan Slater back, and therefore he might he might play a lot, um, or do we still? I expect at some point that Regan Slater will come in um, and then he's, well, he's on the fringes and he's competing. And that's kind of where the, that last question came from. Is we, signed, we signed some good players and we signed some good options, um, but I'm not sure many of them, maybe apart from Moncare, um, possibly the goalkeeper, um, are players that are going to start ahead of what we already had. Um, and I guess that's kind of like the different approaches to recruitment is are you, are you trying to recruit players do, do, do you only want to recruit players who are, who are better than what you've got improve your first 11 or do you want to 
pack out your squad and you know give yourself give yourself options and, and that's clearly what we've done um I'm not sure again let's say going back a couple of years that's kind of what it felt like we'd, we'd done then where a lot of the lads who came in weren't particularly um any better than what we had so that works yeah. out in the long term um but we'll, but we'll see uh, we'll see we certainly certainly got good cover now we've certainly got good options we certainly afford some injuries which we, you know, obviously we, you could go out and maybe get one, one, two, three players who are better than what you've got, and then they're very light. And uh, that's the that's the other thing that I learned from the season before last. After Bowen and Grzycki went, we point at that a lot for the collapse that season. But they also got to look at the fact that as soon as there was injuries to anybody, um, and I think at one point we had eight, ten injuries, um, we, we we were knackered anyway. One area, one thing you touched upon is the depth, and you're right in saying that we've got quite a, you know, a lot of depth in the forward areas and perhaps you know midfield. One area that scares me is the sort of centre back position. You're looking at the front of it. You've got um, you've got Deshaun Bernard, who's obviously joined for Manchester United on loan, and you've got um, Alfie Jones, Jacob Greaves, and McLaughlin. Um, you've got sort of four options there that could potentially start, but injuries to one or two of them, and you're, you're looking scarce and uh, you, of course, we've got a, um, Alfie Jones who can play operate in that holding midfield role, so he gives you an option there. So I would, I think, if we manage to sell um, James Scott and um, perhaps one more player, um, I'd love, I'd like to see us bring an experienced centre back uh, into the squad. So it sort of gives you that versatility because then you've got enough cover at centre back to play Alfie Jones in holding midfield if needed, and vice versa. And it gives you that extra option. And given our defence has got an average age of about 22 years old, well, our centre-back certainly, I think it worries me defensively that we've got, we haven't, it's a bit naive going into a championship campaign. And certainly forward, you know, forwards are more clinical at that level so they can, um, you know, where we struggled last season set pieces. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's an area where we need to improve and by improving that, perhaps we need to bring in sort of a centre-back who's good at, good in the air and experience at this level. And given the sort of circumstances we found ourselves in, it is a struggle to bring in this sort of player because we can't pay any money for someone. But yeah, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think you've made a very uh, valid point. I do think that maybe, although it could be a good breakthrough season for some of these players that are young, I do think that there isn't really any experience that they can call upon really in the in their position, which um like you've like you mentioned, it could be a bit of a concern, but I guess we just have to um wait and see who we bring in who gets sold. We got rid of Jordan Flores earlier, who's completed his permanent move to Northampton, whether that frees up another spot or whether that was one to accommodate Matt Smith it remains to be seen. Obviously like you touched on we've got to sell before we can buy at this point, really. So I think we'd, we'd have to move pretty sharpish as well. Um, I think the departure of Flores was to free up a spot for Matt Smith and then we're looking to offload James Scott with Huddleston waiting in the wings to come in for him. Now, I want to pose this question. if you Considering we're sort of lighting the centre-back area and obviously Flores has departed, Scott looks like he's on his way out, which other player would you sell in order to free another spot in the squad? Obviously, there's a few names that you could throw about, but I'll let you two decide. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure on this all freeing up now. Um, I know City have, have said that they've 
come to some agreement with the EFL. So I don't know if now some of these these lads who are going out on loan, uh, like uh, Fester South has gone out today. I don't know if that's now helping uh, free up a spot, certainly for loan loan spaces. So whether Matt Smith replaces Fester South uh, and there's still a spot, well, I guess we need some clarity on that. Although uh, with the club not particularly talking to the local paper, I don't know that's happening. But uh, I don't I don't know that we can afford to let too many more go. And uh, maybe. Um, Thomas Meyer, um, there's, there's, yeah, there's not a right lot yeah. there, and he, he, he looks way down the pecking order. But again, I don't know. He's a bit like um, Milinkovic was a couple of seasons ago. He's sort of wondering who would who would buy him. Um, Scott, there's been talk of going on loan, hasn't he? I think a move to St Mirren's maybe fallen through, which uh, a bit of a shame for him because he needs a change of scene. But other than that, I, I, I don't know if there, there, there are many. I know some fans are sort of screaming Tom Eves, I reckon, listening to that. Um, I, I just don't think we've got the depth to let someone like Tom Hughes go um, because what have we got up front? We've got Josh McGuinness and then maybe Ryan Longman as a uh, an out-and-out striker, but very little else um, and not even particularly the young lads. So um, I think you've got to keep up. You've got to keep most of the forward players. So yeah, I'd, I'd go for Thomas Meyer. Um, I'd maybe sacrifice him, like you said, to try and get in some more cover in defence. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure we've got enough. He's, he's obviously got two, two left-sided, two right-sided now. Um, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't particularly like to risk that uh, going going through a half a championship season. Um, and then obviously there's the, the Huddleston question, which uh, that's been the surprise of the summer, hasn't it? Yeah, Tom Huddleston yeah. returning to the club. I think that's that was a surprise to everyone. Um, just seeing him, but obviously it's been the talk of the town, really. Um, the biggest talking point this summer, you know, for the club. Um, and what do you, what, uh, what would you make to bring him coming back? Yeah, would you, would you take him, Ben? Uh, I'm not. I think it's probably more debatable now that we've signed uh, Matt Smith. Really, I think do we even do we really need another mid another midfielder? I know that obviously. Huddleston comes with the nostalgia and being a hero that he was in the Premier League. Obviously, he's not going to be that same player now. He's not played any football really for the last year or two. If if Matt Smith didn't didn't sign, then I'd probably say yeah, definitely. But now he has signed, and maybe we do like you say, need to potentially look at bringing the centre back. Maybe um, weakens the the. Um, Chances of Huddleston coming, although there seems to be some rumours that it's it's um almost it, there's been some speculation that's been almost agreed by some people. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I guess we just, again we just have to wait and see what what comes in the coming days. Really, I do agree with that. Um, I think there's two ways you can look at you can look at you know point of view that he's not played for Derby over year. His fitness is not very good. Um. You, you're looking at him thinking, is he still caught up at championship level? But then there's the other side of it that he'd come in and he'd sort of galvanise a squad of young players. He'd play alongside Tom Luston. You know, you know, it's these players probably grew up watching him, some of these players, and um, you know, to get someone of that calibre in the club again, you know, it's it sort of raises the feel good factor and whether he'd play regularly, that's to be seen. But look, you know, Tom Luston's you know, close to retiring, I guess. He's probably on last one or two years of his career, so he wants to be coming to a club where he's going to be guaranteed football and whether that's City is yet to be seen. But I think 
from what I've heard from what McCann's saying, I think he, there is genuine interest to bring him into the club and he would sort not only sort of add to the playing team, but it also add to sort of the coaching team. He'd be able to develop himself, you know, develop his career after he retires. So it's certainly an interesting one and it gives you that extra option. I think the base of midfield, whether, it, you know, like I say, whether his start is remains to be seen, but, you know, it's, it's sort of an exciting time, I guess. Yeah, I think I think it's a really interesting one. Um, I think if you look at the way we play, uh, the sort of players we've got, he probably doesn't fit. Um, although, to be fair to him, Rich, Richie Smallwood's not the, not, not the quickest or most dynamic player in the world. So I, I don't know if, if Tom Olsen's too far away from that, obviously. Smallwood's got um, more characteristics without the ball than, than Tom's ever had. But I just think... I try, I try and take sentiment out of it a little bit, but it's hard because he's Tom Huddleston. But uh, um, I think we, when you look at him, he's maybe not somebody who's going to play week in, week out. He's maybe not somebody who's going to start every game, but he's got experience, which we, we lack um, massively. I think he's only out of the outfield players, there's only Smallwood and McGuinness, sort of around 30. Everybody else is quite young. Um and he's just second to none in the way he passes the ball, the way he'll keep the ball. Or if you're behind in games, the way he'll, um, he'll, he'll spread the ball. Um, so I think if, if you want somebody who's going to come on in games that you're winning or losing um, and, and change change the way you're playing or protect, protect the lead, I don't think there's many better. Um, and certainly, you know, there's not many clubs in our position um, as skint as we are coming up from League One who are going to attract to Tom Huddleston. I mean, he's, he's here and he's trading because he's been here before. Um, you know, he's not he's not gone and, and reached out to anybody else. So I think that's maybe a, a bit of luck that falls into your lap. And then it's a case of whether, whether you can agree something. Um, certainly what we what we pay now is probably about a tenth of what we paid Tom Huddleston when he was when he was playing for us in the Premier League. So um, is he is he willing to accept that? Um and, and you know, I'm sure he's, he's more realistic about what he's going to earn after a year out of the game, but he's not stupid either. Uh, Raise a good point. He'll know his um, value. Raise a good point there. Um, Tom Huddleston, last time when we was in the Championship, when he was at the club, obviously 15 16 season, he would, a lot of the time he would come off the bench late on. Um, he did have his obvious injury problems that season, and, you know, he couldn't sort of dislodge the likes of Livermore and Hayden in that midfield area, but. Um, he is someone you can bring on late on in games, protect a lead. And at League One level, that's something we perhaps struggled with sometimes. I don't think we can't consider too many late goals, but heading up to the championship, you know, teams a bit more, you know, streetwise. And I think going into the last like 10, 15 minutes of games, you can bring him on, put him in front of that defence. And, you know, there's, he's a calming influence on the side. Um, on these young players and he'll pick up the ball and he'll spray it about and he'll, he'll keep it ticking over. And he, he's someone that, um, obviously, in the in his prime, he had the, the ability to control games. And I'm not sure right now he's still got that power, but I think he's worth taking a chance on, certainly, what like for the points I've mentioned, that he'd bring the experience, but it also, um, you know, bring him on late on in games. And, yeah, I think it's I think it's a deal worth doing, especially given our situation. Yeah, I mean, I think all, all I would say is if, if they announced tomorrow that he'd signed, I'd be delighted. Um, and if they announced tomorrow that you know he was moving on somewhere or we weren't going to sign him, I, I wouldn't be too critical of anybody. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Grant, Grant McCann, because I, I can understand, I can understand both sides. Um, and you, you've got to look at it. We're, we're, we're not paying, we're not paying the biggest wages. We're not, we don't have a massive budget in the championship. Is it worth a chunk on Tom Huddleston when, when they can go and get something else that they think they need? And I, and I think everybody's got to understand that, really. I know some people are probably, you know, slaughter him anyway. So, but hey, he's whole city manager, he can't win them all, can he? One thing, I don't want to move on to the subject for too long, but I think I thought I'd raise it. I didn't really write anything down, but um, uh, we've we've heard the news. I think it was last night that BBC Radio Humberside wasn't getting the coverage of the uh, the commentary again for City. Um, Alums obviously stopped that, um, and obviously we've got the news as well that the match tickets for adults would be thirty three pound for certain categories. And um, I'll, I'll say what I think first. I think on this sort of topic, I think it's look at the clubs made you know, two steps forward, one step back, and it's you know it's or other vice versa, one step forward, two steps back. I think it's you know we're making this progress. You know we, we feel like we're building bridges, and then. Being burnt like that, and I think you know, order for us to move on as a club, the owners need to sell up, and that's been the case for a while. But it felt like we were sort of getting our club back again, and then there's this you know, this disconnect that you feel. There's elderly people that you know, at home, and other people that want to listen on our radio that can't have that privilege anymore. Um, I just wonder what you both thought, thought to this news. Yeah, I think it's a bit, um, like you say, it's a bit of a backward step, really. All the hard work that they've done with the um sorting the membership structure out, which has been they've been crying out, fans have been crying out for for quite a long time. And then you'd think that maybe after the um all the good work that they did last season, I know that even in the build up to this season they've had whole city like specials on sports talk with the players and the manager and the media all seem to be getting on well with each other and then it just feels like a bit unnecessary that they're still carrying on this um this disconnect with the local radio and even more so the fact that um, you can't watch it on iFollow anymore like you say it's these fans that can't go to matches week in week out or even not even just away matches just home matches week in week out how do they get any way of watching the match live there isn't and there was that luxury last season I know it was with different circumstances I know that iFollow is not also City's fault it's the EFL but I'd have thought that they'd have maybe carried it on there's a way of getting some extra getting some extra income, knowing that fans can't watch every match, or knowing that some fans may be reluctant to go back to the stadium because of COVID. But yeah, like you say, it's a bit of a backward step in my opinion. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I, I think I think it's ridiculous. Um, I think it's, it is. Uh, I think you know, we, I, I, I try I try and be fair on on things. When we give the owners credit, we had, we had a good season last year. Um, wasn't too critical over the EFL loan thing that's that's led to the restrictions because at the end of the day that they've got to run their business, they've got to run the club as their business. We we don't know the ins and outs of the finances, so I, I, I'll give them um, not a pass because I don't particularly know why I think at the end of the day, but um, I give them the benefit of the doubt on things like that. But stuff like this, and and, and this isn't the first time. Um, when we're talking about the match day prices, and it obviously isn't the first time when we talk about the radio because we didn't have it last season, um, and we had that uh, stupid situation a few years ago when when was it Viking Two had the commentary or something? Yeah, Viking. Um, yeah, um, 
it's it's just spiteful. Um, it's, it's really spiteful. The fact that um, Baz Baz Cooper from the Hull Daily Mail is not allowed to to attend the games as well. Um, it should be a time of real um, promise for the for the club. Um, we've we've just won a league title. We're back in the championship. Fans can come to games again. They're out there. Um, they've got We Are Hull City plastered on all their promotion, which is nice. They've got the new badge um, that we that we've had for, for since last season, which is nice. Um, it it should really be a time of taking the club forward. It's just so frustrating that they do things like this, which the match day prices, I think, are a. I think that's a poor decision because you, you're just not going to get people who are going to walk up for one, two, five games a season. I get it's certain categories because they want to fleece away fans, which don't particularly agree with, but the championship as a whole is scandalous for that, not just Hull City. Um, but the radio thing is just ridiculous. Um, like, like you lads have said, that there's people out there that that's their link to Hull City. That's how they follow. That's how they follow Hull City. Some because they, they, they can't afford to go. Some because they, they, they you know they're not able to go. Um, and, and when you, when you're out there and you're plastering, we are Hull City, and you're trying to foster um, a mentality that everybody's in it together. And then the second you get the chance, you're pricing out people and you're excluding people. Um, who, who follow you through, through through listening on the radio? It's just it's just ridiculous, isn't it? But it, it it's them all over, and and we, we do need a change of ownership. Everybody knows that. Um, you know, last last season was it was a good one. It was a good one for the owners. It was a good one for the manager. It was a good one for the club. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that at heart they just outright disagree with the fans and that will never that will never come back and I think you only have to look at the membership sales to to see that I think you know we go back any any period of time and I think we, we'd have 15 16,000 members and what have we got seven I think it's seven thousand that that's a ridiculously small amount and it just shows that it's because of the last few years as a whole it's not it's not 18 months it's not one year it's it, it, it's just the environment they've fostered so yeah is what it is but um they've got no one to blame but themselves i think for all the positives there's obviously an unwavering you know it's these negatives unwavering uh, creates like a dark cloud over the club and i think uh, it's just it's just such a shame like you've touched on there that they're so stubborn spiteful that they can't realize that when they make a mistake and uh, to be fair they have eradicated a few of the mistakes recently but this this is a huge mistake and it's something that needs changing and fast, but you just can't see it happening. And I, I put, I've just pulled up a tweet um, from someone on Twitter that uh, looks at the attendance figures from 2019 and there was that derby game where they charged £15 for a match day ticket and we managed to get um, 16,326 fans. He sort of worked out how much revenue that would bring into the club. So he said, he assume we have like 7K members, the revenue at £30 ticket is 98550 which was for the QPR game. The Derby game at £15 is 139,890 with uh, 6,000 more people spending the club shop and concourse. And looking at these sort of figures, it makes you wonder how they haven't realised that charging more for a ticket gives you more money when if you bring in more people at a lower, in a more cost-efficient price, 
you're going to get more money out of it, more revenue put into the club. And it, it sort of baffles me that businessmen that say uh, we're the best run club in the league can't realise that perhaps charging a more feasible amount will bring attract more people. And I, to be fair, I wouldn't expect him to charge like £15 for an adult every championship game, but I think he'd cap it at probably £24 for an adult for a championship game. I think that's fair. But like £33, you know, over £30, that's way too much. And, you know, people say that 20 is plenty, which I agree with. But, you know, for the sort of up-end games you play in someone like Sheffield United at home, I think you can get away with charging £24, but certainly charging £33, it's just way too much. And it's sort of, you want to bring people, new people in on match days, you want to entice people to come to a game. But if there's someone that wants to just come, you know, for a day out and they're not interested in the football, the, you know, £33, it's just way too much. You're trying to get a new yeah, generation of supporters. Yeah. yeah, you're you're an adult and you want to take a child to the game. Fair enough, the, the child tickets are, I think, well priced. I don't know how much they're, I think like £9 out there or something, but I think that's, you know, perhaps they could look a lure that a bit, but, you know, you're not going to entice a new generation of supporters and there's certainly probably little kids out there that want to go and they're, they're being priced out and it's a shame, but you'd, you'd think that, lower the prices to try and entice people to buy a membership and that's the point of it but you know they have other ideas I guess yeah I mean I think the only thing that might come about is is whether they do something um, for, for people for home fans to come um, to, to buy tickets casually because I, I still think the high price point is because um, they, they want to sell them to away fans uh, and particularly uh, when, when it's a game where the away fans bring um, a lot like a, a Nottingham Forest or a Sheffield United, then obviously they, they want that they want that high price point because they'll, they'll make uh, a lot of money that day, as opposed to what is the walk up from from one week to the next of, of home fans. But um, it is difficult because uh, I think, like Ben said earlier, the, the um, membership prices are very good. Um, they've sorted out the problems of the scheme. They've sorted out the division and stands and etc. etc. And all the rubbish that EAB used to go on about somebody next to you having paid less and all this sort of stuff. And the membership scheme is very good. Um, and 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 they're obviously pushing that. But people who aren't going to commit to that, you need to you need to do something for to ensure that you get you getting people through. Otherwise, it's going to be whatever seven seven thousand. Um, plus, plus away fans every game, and we, we're going to end up, like you say, with them them attendances that we we're getting pre-pandemic of uh, scraping ten thousand. So moving on to tomorrow's season over against Preston North End, uh, what are your thoughts going into the game? I think for myself personally, we had a a bad record there at Deepdale, not just in general, but every time I've gone in particular, we've we've lost every single time. But speaking to some Preston fans, they actually don't, they don't sound overly confident. So I think perhaps, judging from what they're saying, it could be could have been a worse start than, than normally if we got somebody else in the first game. Yeah, I think it's great that we're starting an away game, certainly, just to get back into the swing of things. And uh, it's important that we carry on the momentum of last season into this game and Preston themselves, are, um, there's a lot of people that are saying Preston are going to be dragged into a relegation battle. Um, I've seen on Twitter that they've apparently only sold 5,000 season tickets. Uh, the club in sort of turmoil, I guess. Not as much as some of the clubs, but um, some people see them struggling. 
But I think McCann said in his press conference about going there, playing without fear, and it's about taking the game. So we recognise that Preston is sort of established, prim, uh, not prem side, championship side, and we'll go there and we'll sort of. I think we'll take the game. So I don't, we're not sort of a, a lot, quite a few teams in League One would come up and they'd sit back. But I think with McCann start pressing his sort of style, attacking, playing from the front, I think we'll go there and we'll you know we'll play without fear and we'll knock the ball about and get in the faces and I think it's important that we we start well this season just to carry the momentum but um, I see it myself I see it being a draw but um, it'd be good just to get a point on the board Yeah it's, it's an interesting game isn't it because you go back a couple of years and, and Preston under Alex Neal they were kind of like the, the, the poster club for the clubs on a low budget I was going to the championship build a squad um, pick up players from, from lower leagues um, and, and develop them uh, and they were, they were doing a fantastic job of that and I don't, I don't quite know where it all it all seems to go a bit wrong last year um, and then obviously Alex Neal's moved on um, big sort of change around in, in the playing staff um, so they're, they're not quite the same team and don't seem to be that same optimism around them so they're, they're one of those clubs that could struggle um, but they, they, they do still have good players so um, it's, it's, it's a good place to go. It's a great place to start. I think it's one of them. If, if you're going to start the season away from home, uh, there are far, far worse starts. Um, so, like the uh, the opening game of the championship, I think it was Bournemouth, West Brom, isn't it? So, obviously, going away to either of them, which I think we've done before. I think we, we played West Brom on the opening day when we were back in the championship. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not the toughest task. Um, but, they, but they are, you've got, you've got to respect them. But yeah, I agree with Tom. I think we'll go there, play our game, um, and 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 hope to get something. And I, and I do think we've got to start. We've got to start well. Um, and I, I don't particularly mean just tomorrow. I mean the season because I think if we if we start losing games, um, then we're going to get all the negativity is going to go back to when we we're in the championship last time, and we're going to be getting no. Oh, we'll see you've won one out of twenty five championship games, and we'll see you've you know lost. 25 out of, out of 30 and all, all this sort of stuff so I think, I think it's important that we start getting some wins um, obviously we've got uh, I think Derby early doors at home um, QPR, QPR to come Fulham away which is which is tough but I think there's games in there that we, we can pick up points and I think it's important we do because A you want to take the momentum from last season and I think you also want to lay the ghosts of being in the championship last time Yeah I think what you said there's pretty spot on I think Obviously, you touched on Fulham away being our hardest um, fixture in early doors. But I think you maybe under Silver, they're, they're not going to have the, um, the relegation handover that they might have done if Scott Parker was there. So obviously, Scott Parker's now gone to Bournemouth. So I think maybe that game might might be something that we can get something from with it being at home. I think there, there could have been a far worse start to the season like you say I, th- I do think it's imperative that we at least get a point tomorrow and just because I've heard all, I've heard all the um, Preston fans that I've, I've spoke to they don't feel overconfident something in me which is very rare going to Preston I somehow think that we're going to go down and win 2-1 I just think that the atmosphere City fans behind the goal I think McCann's touch on this that it would just be great for them to have to get the fans back in. Obviously, last season was great, and I think that these this player, these players, and this manager have earned the um, majority of the fans' trust. And I think that if we get off to a good start tomorrow, in maybe the early 
early exchanges get in, get in the faces. I think that we can at least get a point. So, yeah, I think everything you you said there is pretty spot on. You look at yeah. Preston. You look at Preston. And you see it as a sort of place to go that you don't really fear. You could go to like Sheffield United. They were packed out. Bravo Lane. It's a bit enticing. But you go to Preston, and you're going to see. I'm not too sure how many they've got there, but I think you're going to see got you know quite a few empty seats in the stands. And like obviously before fans were all back in grounds, there was there's a lot of away teams coming away with results. Um, I'm not sure if that sort of that narrative is going to change towards like home teams getting results now. Fans are back in grounds, but um, I think we'll go there with a lot of confidence. And um, yeah, you've touched on it there that there's not many, you know, away away to, uh, grounds of the challenge. Not many better to go to for in terms of who we could start against. And looking at sort of the other teams that have come up with us, you've got like so you know Blackpool and Peterborough. And I think we're be- we we fare better than Blackpool in terms of our squad. I think. Um, but yeah, I don't want to move on to a tangent. So yeah, I think um, the, the the only worry for me is maybe that we haven't seen uh, a settled City eleven in in pre season. So all this playing playing two different teams, a lot of, a lot of youngsters making up the squads. Um, obviously, Malik Wilkes hasn't played at all. Joe Trudeman's going to be missing. Callum Elder hasn't played. So um, th- there is an element there of. I'm not entirely sure what the current best eleven is. Uh, I'm not sure what the best what the eleven will be for, for Preston. I think Wilkes will be back. Um, I'm not sure about Elder. Um, so uh, there is that. They're obviously quite familiar from last season. A lot of them, but um, you would maybe just like to to have seen in in one one or two games, um, like the majority of a of an eleven. Um, you know, McGuinness and Wilkes and Lewis Potter playing together again building them partnerships again with Jones and Coyle and Greaves and Elder. And, um, just where, where I think one of the, the good things of last season is we were fairly settled. Um, there were some changes that were McCann made himself, but um, not too many injury problems. So that's, that's going to be an interesting one. Um, obviously, a lot of lads with, with loads to prove this season. Nearly everybody is either is stepping up, stepping up a level uh, or stepping back up a level. Um, when, they, when they've played in the championship before, so few really proven players, um, but just loads of, of youth and energy. So it, it, it'd be really, yeah, just so looking forward to seeing them go at these teams and, and see whether they keep that same ambition and, and bravery that they showed last season. Because I think I think they really did. And uh, Ben mentioned earlier the manager, and I, I'm not convinced the trust is completely there. I think. There'll be a lot of people who think, yeah, he's, he's failed in the championship last time. So he's, um, let's see what he's got this time. And I, I, I hope, he, for our sake, that he, he, he carries on and he, and he does what he did so well last year, which is just maintain that full belief in the way we play and, and, and go for team. Um, you've mentioned there about the the squad could be unsettled because they haven't played together in pre-season. But I've pulled up um, sort of some quotes from McCann's pre-match press conference. It was quite interesting. And he said that he, we played caution with Malik and didn't want to take risks. We didn't have to take any risks with the preseason games, but he did did a lot of in-house 11 and V11 games before that. So perhaps the squad have played together behind the scenes. We just hadn't seen it. And I think that would be sort of right in saying, I think he wouldn't go into a new season without playing his best team against a, another 11, perhaps, you know, um, just to sort of, you know, get them partnerships back together. So I think going into that game, you know, you yeah, I think I don't think you worry about 
you know, them not playing together because I think... No, he might might have been really shrewd there as well and and playing his best 11 behind the scenes so that Preston are as confused as we are. Yeah, exactly. I think that's... You raise a good point, I think. He didn't want to show too much to his opposition. The opposition were looking at thinking, oh, well, he split the team so we can't really have much to go out. But um, going into the game, yeah, it should be interesting. But what I want to say about McCann is I think... You said there about how some people might doubt him. I think he's gone through that um, sort of that. Oh, I'm trying to think of the word. He's I'm gonna have to cut this bit. <laughs> he's gone through sort of the hey, lows really? there. Yeah, that, he's, he's gone through the lows there, the relegation, and he sort of fought back. And now he's realised probably where he's gone wrong last time with the backdrop, you know, of Bowen and Grisicula even. And then he sort of. Um, you know, put it to right. So I think you go into the season and you hope he does it again. You don't want us to become sort of a year club like Rotherham. And yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And um, I, I wouldn't say I'm his biggest fan, but I do, I do admire what he did last season because there's no doubt in my mind that he, he should have been sat last summer. Um, and, you know, um, I, I could use hindsight to pretend I don't think that, but I do. Um, I think it was an absolute disaster in the relegation. Uh, I thought we were at a low ebb and he, he should have gone. And I'm still amazed that he survived, but um, got a lot of respect for what he's, for what he's done since. Um, and I did warm to him a little bit as well, because I, th- I thought he really, showed the, he really showed the effect that the struggle was having on him. Uh, he was really... Um, Naki with everybody. His, his post-match interviews with Burns. He was he was arsy and um, you know saying daft things about how he's from Sandy Row and he won't he won't hide and all these things that made him a bit of a figure of fun. Um, I think he just showed the the frustration of not having a clue how to change things. Um, and then there's obviously everybody accusing him of, of not being allowed to change things and not being allowed to play a different system and. Um, he was sort of trying to shuffle a, a deck that was that, that was that was useless really. Um, so we we saw, I think, that the best of him last year when he he had the players he wanted. He, he was at a level he was comfortable with, um, and I think now he's got now he's got to go and prove it again. But um, I, 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 I do like him far far more than I did. Um, I, I still don't know. I still don't know if he's good enough. Um, that's that's what we're going to find out. But um, at least now he's you can see the difference in him, can't you? The, the confidence that he has and uh, all of his interviews, he just looks like somebody who's established in his job and, and believes in himself. I think there has been a level of maturity. Um, he's gone from the pantomime villain to sort of a hero now. Uh, well, I won't say hero, but, you know, and he's sort of proved, him, proved himself now, but it's time for him to, like you say, make that step up. And he's got he's bought players in that suit his style. And he, he, you'd say he would have done... Um, he did that in 1920 and it didn't work out. But I think this time he's perhaps got the recruitment right um, with what he could yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, so. just one, one sort of big difference, I think, is if you go back to that, that pre-season 1920, there, there was a lot of players coming in and it seemed like every player who came in, it was, McCann knows him from Doncaster, McCann knows him from Peterborough, McCann, you know, McCann played. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Everybody, you know, like your Tapazolis and Max Madison and all the players who came in throughout that season seem to have some link to him. Whereas there isn't really that at the moment. Obviously, all, all of these young lads from the from the Premier League, um, they've, they've seen in some form. And then 
uh, you freebies. Randall Williams has obviously been on the, the recruitment. They've had their eye on him for a long time. And then George Moncare, I, I mean, he's not particularly a surprise, but again, no, no particular link to, to McCann, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do think it's a different strategy this time. And it, it's a, it looks a bit more of a recruitment team decision rather than just McCann. Yeah, they've looked at it. I think there's been an increase in sort of the analysis and recruitment. And I think McCann came in, perhaps felt he didn't have enough time to sort of scout around. So he was just looking looking at what he'd where to previously and felt if he brought them players together, they sort of mold into the squad. And perhaps in the first half of the season, they did do that. But obviously we tailed off. And um, in the end, we had a few characters in there that were bad eggs. And luckily we shipped them out before the start of last season. And and now, yeah, I'm happy with the sort of recruitment we're making. We're certainly making good strides to sort of make, you know, significant improvements. It's just about stability, I think. Um, if we stay up this season, I think it's, it's, it's a huge, bigger success than getting promoted last season. I think, you know, you're playing at a much higher level. There's, people, there's teams in here that have come down with the parachute payments and can splash the cash, whereas we're sort of cash-strapped. And um, there's, there's, there's a lot of big clubs in this division that, you know, they could worry about... Um, you know, we'll play, we'll go out, we'll play with without fear and we'll, you know, give it our best shot. And, you know, I, I just really want McCann to sort of prove himself at this level just to um, prove the doubt is wrong. But, um, yeah, it'd be, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Final segment of this week's podcast, we're going to go through our general predictions for the season. So, championship top six, bottom three, player of the season, top scorer, and the bottom two, the same just for City, as well as where we just think City are going to finish in general. I'll start with you, Rick. What is your championship top six and bottom three? Um, oh, blimey. You dropped this one on me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think... I, th- I don't think you can look too far beyond Fulham and West Brom, to be honest. Um, they-, they would certainly be my top, my top two. Um, I think the top six, uh, Sheffield United will be up there. Middlesbrough, um, they they look they look quite interesting, and obviously Warner knows the game. I think I think Middlesbrough will be in there. Um, I'd go Swansea, um, mm. and then there's normally an outsider, isn't there? So could say Hull City, yeah, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm not sure. I do believe it. Um, don't think it'd be Barnsley again. I think they maybe had their their shot. So uh, just going on the strength of their manager, I'm going to go for Forest. Because uh, obviously Chris Hewton's been yeah. about when he knows. So yeah, there's there's my six. I've forgotten somebody surely. But yeah. oh, Tom, what's your, what's your top six? I'm gonna go with um, Sheffield United to win the league. Um, I, I won't say um, too much of a reason, but I think Slavisky Jukanovic has done it before. Inherits a squad there that have most of his squad. The not many have departed, and the they know how to play at Championship level. Um, and then second place, I'm gonna go with Bournemouth. I think Scott mm. Parker goes into there and again inherits a quality side, and um, you know he's got he'd, you know Bournemouth play that sort of style of football that you know that Scott Parker wants to play. Third place, I'm going to go with Fulham, um, and then fourth West Brom, uh, fifth, um, oh, that oh, fifth I'm going to go with. Have I missed Forest? And then sixth, I'm going to go over surprising Luton. Mm. I think Luton, have, you know, under their manager, they've settled style. I think they've sort of established themselves. Actually, instead of Forest, I'm going Middlesbrough fifth, Luton sixth. 
yeah, right. Luton has established themselves at this level and um, under their manager and they've brought in some shrewd signings that can sort of push towards the front of the table. Yeah, I think for a lot of the reasons that you said there, top three, uh, well, top two, Sheffield United, I think, going to win the league. Fulham second, West Brom third, uh, Forest in fourth, Cardiff in fifth, and I think this is another surprise. And I've gone with Stoke in sixth. In, no Bournemouth. Uh, I think that's no, not Bournemouth, not Forest. Bournemouth instead of Bournemouth instead of Forest. So Sheffield United, Fulham, West Brom, Bournemouth, Middlesbrough, and Stoke. Yeah, Stoke's a good shout, I guess. They make some good signings. Yeah, bottom three. What are you going for, Rick? Um, there's always there's always a shocker. I'm going to go for the two that came up with us. Obviously, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to say we're staying up. Um, mm. So I'm going to go I'm going to go Blackpool and Peterborough. Um, Blackpool because I think probably on paper they have got the, the weakest squad in the in the league. Um, Peterborough because they always go back down. So I'm just going to go for them and hope. Um, and then there's always a shocker. And so I considered Preston, uh, but I'm going to go for Huddersfield. Mm. Um, just because they. Yeah, they've, they've they've been really poor for two seasons now. So um, they're they're either going to really bounce back, um, or or their luck's going to run out. So they're, they're my third one. Tom, unless there's a huge turnaround um, in the coming weeks, which I doubt there will be, I'm going to go with Derby to finish bottom. Given the turmoil they're under, they survived obviously last season by the skin of the teeth, perhaps fortunately, and this season under Rooney, I, I just don't see him staying up. And second bottom, I'm going to go with Peterborough. The same reason there, they, they always seem to go back down. I'm gonna first surprise and then say Blackpool are gonna stay up, um, yeah. by the skin of the teeth. And I'm gonna put third bottom, uh, Huddersfield, like you said, there they've been floating relegation for a while, and I think it's their time to drop out. I've not really been impressed with their sign, some of the signers have made, but you know, Carbine might prove me wrong. Yeah, um, I forgot about Derby, so uh, I'm swapping them for Peterborough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're so bad, I forgot they were in the championship. <laughs> yeah, long league one. Yeah, I think my, my bottom three is Derby bottom, obviously, the turmoil that they're in is well documented. Huddersfield in 23rd, like you say, poor signings. I'm, I'm going to go with, with Blackpool, 22nd. I, I think Blackpool will put up a good fight in terms of staying up, but I think if I think Peterborough probably will stay up likes of Johnson, Clark, Harris. I don't know if he's going to leave, but if he stays, then then it'd be interesting to see if he puts it in the championship. Obviously, top scoring league one last season by a mile. But uh, it's going into the final predictions that I've got down here. Championship top scorer. You go, Rick. Yeah, I think it's a really tough one because I don't think there's a real standout like there has been. You know, like like Ivan Tony last year and. Mm. There's normally been that one striker that you think, well, he's, he is way too good for this for this level. Um, and it's only a matter of time before he's a, he's a Premier League player. Um, and then some of the others who I'd maybe think about um, are probably on the verge of Premier League moves like um, the kid Armstrong at, at Blackburn. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is quite an interesting one. Um, I'm going to go um, for, and I've just forgotten who I was thinking. I'm going to go for Charlie Austin, QPR. Charlie, yeah, that's Charlie interesting. Yeah. Charlie so there, another one. Surprise yeah. package, perhaps. Yeah. I'm going Charlie Austin. You've said there there's not really a standout, but I'm looking at uh, Mitrovic at Fulham. If Marcus Silva hits it off, I think he could be top scorer. And I think 
Keith Amor last season, he could be up there. I think Mitrovic will win it, but Keith Amor is a good shout. He scored 20 goals last season. Mick McCarthy is the manager there and he knows how to get goals on strikers. So I think. Yeah, um, had a really average season, didn't he, Mitrovic last year? Um, yeah, I he wasn't even getting in the team, was it? I think it depends on, you know, the know he can go to that level. It depends on whether he departs, obviously, and whether Marcus will fancies him. So I think for a safe bar, I'll go Keith Amar, but Mitrovic, if he gets in the team, then. Top scorer. I think for the purpose of being different, I'm going to throw out another, another surprise one. Maybe to go with Ollie McBurney at Sheffield United. I think really? he's, 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 he's obviously done really well in the championship before. He knows the level. Ikanovic, very good manager. Again, they, they all sort of players and manager that, that you, you know what you're going to get if you're fighting at the top end of the championship. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Ollie McBurney. Then moving on to the Final two, where are City going to finish? Who's going to be City's top scorer? Um, I'm thinking at the moment about 18th. Um, mm. I've, said that, I've said that throughout the summer. Um, I don't think we'll be in the bottom three. I think I think we could be in the top half. Um, I think the, the, the fascinating thing about this City squad is because they're all young, because there's so much to prove, because... Um, uh, they've got that momentum coming up from last season. I, I really do think they could do anything. And it, and if we, if we finish sixth and had a great season, it wouldn't completely surprise me. If we finish bottom um, and struggle because we haven't got the experience and we haven't got the know-how, um, that wouldn't particularly surprise me either. And I think we could finish anywhere in between. But I'm going to say with, with what we've done so far and, and maybe just, just that lack of, that lack of nous and that lack of improving on the first 11 from last season. I'm, I'm going to go for 18th um, and top scorer. You can't really see past Wilkes again as long as he's here. Yeah, fair enough. Tom? Um, I'm just going to say, similar to Rick, I think, I don't want to say this low, but I think we'll finish like 20th, just above the bottom three. And it's, it's important to consolidate this division. And, you know, I, I do see it going two ways. You, you know, we could have a the surprise package and finish the top half or we could just just survive by the skin of our teeth I do think we've got enough to survive hopefully prove me right and um, about 20th and in terms of top scorer oh, it's you know you look at Wilkes and you think it's got to be him but there's, you could also throw Longman in there and part but I'll just say Wilkes for the sake of I think you know he's he's the, got the most quality out of the three of them yeah I think same same reasons as both of you I'm going for I've changed this quite a few times. I'm going to stick with 20th. I think, obviously, just the main thing going into this seems to consolidate. I think you'd look at maybe teams like Luton, Coventry, and what they're doing, follow a sort of sim- similar similar sort of story, even similar to when we last came out of League One to the Championship all those years ago. It's think might, might follow a similar sort of scenario and set steadily build. So I think. It's quite weird putting us this low down, but 20th, and I'll probably take it. And I'm pro- I think I'm actually going to go for Josh McGuinness to finish top scorer this season. I think he's got a point to prove in, to, in the championship. Obviously, last season we it, were in the championship, he didn't contribute that many goals. I think he's riding the quest, crest of a wave at the minute with his performances and the amount of goals he scored. And I think with the added service that we've got coming off the bench, likes of Longman, Williams, as well as Wilkes and Potter, I think the service into him 
could be very good going into the season. So I'm going to go with Josh McGuinness. Judging by his yeah. form in pre-season. I mean, you could, exactly. that's a good, a good argument, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, and the back end of last season as well, didn't they? I mean, I think he was, you know, was quite a way behind in the top scorer stakes, wasn't he? And then came right, right back into it. Um, the other two were, were, were clear at one point. So he did score a lot of goals in the sort of second half of last season. I think that's, I think that's a big shout because he's, at his age, he's never scored that many championship goals uh, when he's been in there. I know it's not a massive amount of games, really. He's played a lot of games in, in League One, hasn't he? But um, it's just one of those things I think you, you'd love to see it here because it'd mean we, we would have a good season. Um, and he just, he's just such an infectious personality. I really like him. Um, I think Wil- Wilkes is clearly a talent, but there's just something there. He's, he's a bit frustrating. He's a bit distant. Um, whereas Josh McGuinness just looks like somebody, every time he scores a goal, you want to jump the barrier and get involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think with McGuinness, um, there's a lot of players, maybe particularly with style of forward, that reach the peak and when they reach like 30, and he's approaching 31 now, so you hope that this season is where he proves that he's, he can do it at championship level. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a good show, I think, McGuinness. I did think about saying him as top scorer, but I thought I'd go with safe a bit, but definitely McGuinness has the ability to sort of score at this level. And so that's it for this episode, the first episode of the season. Um, it's been great fun talking to Rick and obviously follow him at Hull City Live on Twitter if you haven't already. It's been great to get Rick's insight into the um, upcoming season. Great to start doing the podcasts again. And we are looking for some more contributors to the site if you follow the, the Hub's Twitter and Tom's Twitter in particular is always tweeting stuff about getting more contributors. So that'll be good going into this season. Hopefully, Preston away tomorrow is a bit more enjoyable. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think in terms of the contributors, um, look, obviously we're looking for more writers. And if you've got an interest in sort of writing and you support City, then, you know, writing for the HCFC Hub is the place for you, I guess. We're looking to build a sort of a... a there's not many platforms on... Um, currently for Hull City that um, in terms of writing uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there a lot of good ones and but I think we're, we're looking to sort of uh, go towards writing too and um, you know both journalists and we both want to sort of you know increase uh, Hull City's platform so I think it'll, if we can get some contributors there we've already got quite a few um, but yeah we're always on the call for new writers so if you're interested just message me or Ben 